This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Kelsey gets there. Another good kick from him, and here's Houghton now. Houghton going past one man, finding Wagstaff. Wagstaff turning well, setting up Chilton. Guys, uh, welcome back to uh, the most recent episode of the Tull and Back podcast. I'm joined by all of us today. We've got a full podcast. I've got Nathaniel, uh, Will and Joel. How are we all doing? Very, very good mood for the most yeah, part. Good. Yeah, yeah. It's so mixed. A bit of slow news week. Yeah, yeah I mean, has the takeover happened yet? I don't know. No. I didn't hear about <laughs> it this week. It was the last episode as an alarm uh, yeah. era. We got it right in the end, eventually. Yeah. Um, yeah. So obviously we've got a, quite a jam-packed episode uh, to to give you today. Well, tomorrow, whenever this is released. Um, obviously we beat Blackburn. We beat uh, Bournemouth. Uh, the takeover went through finally, and then we've got some news break tonight that could potentially be true. Not. We're waiting for official confirmation from some sources. So we'll talk about that towards the end as well. Um, Obviously, so we'll start then, uh, we'll have it as a good episode. So obviously, we'll begin with the takeover, you know. It's the thing we've been waiting for for years. Uh, the, the the relationship between the fans and the alarms was at a point where selling untenable. it was needed for both. Yeah, yeah, it was they definitely untenable. Fuck you know? off. Uh, exactly. They've done, they done a lot of things wrong. You know, we could sit here all night and list the stuff that they did, did wrong. Yes, obviously, their, their tenure started very well. We did some good stuff at the beginning, and then it all went wrong and sour from that point. But it was definitely the right choice um, to sell up and let him go. Because, um, you know, we've got mm. optimism. It's strangely optimistic. Like, that was the thing from Twitter the last week or so. Is you used to going on the HCFC hashtag, and it's quite a, you know, it can be quite a depressing read. It can be. Oh, yeah. We it's, it's, it's rubbish, um, yeah. 
Uh, but, I mean, all football know, hashtags like that, really. Yeah, true. Um, but this week, even like since the takeover, you know, people were weren't really that bothered about the next two results because the ultimate aim was to get the alarms out and this guy in. Uh, mm. That obviously happened, but the bonus we went on and beat both <laughs> these teams yeah. that we were dreading. Well, I mean, I said yeah, the so only result we needed was the takeover and didn't care about the games. So I'm glad we got both. Yeah, so we got both in the end. Obviously, um, he was announced just before the Blackburn game. Uh, he came out, uh, presented himself to the crowd before the game and everything. So obviously the whole stadium had a bit of a lift. Uh, you know, the players seemed to definitely get a lift from it. The atmosphere sounded a lot better. Uh, you were there, Joel. Was you there as well, Will? You was, weren't you? But I think you were drunk, so I'm not oh, going to ask you yes. any questions. You won't remember. Um, so, you know, the atmosphere needed that. The stadium needed that. Hopefully, we start seeing some more uh, fans come back to the stadium. We start seeing the uh, the MKM stadium a bit more packed now because, um, given recent performances, they definitely deserve that support. These lads. Um, but so, so, should we start off firstly? So, obviously, now since Action's come in, um, is it is is it strange then to think that the the, the well, we know that the 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 Lambs tenure was was more of a weight on the shoulders of everybody at the club, fans, players, manager, etc. But did you honestly think that the club would get a lift that quick? And I'll just open this to any of you whoever wants to answer that. Do we do we do, did we, do we expect maybe a a couple of weeks for, for for things to really pick up, or was that expected? Oh yeah, and it, so it's, it wasn't like going to be an easy fix because it's not like it was oh, no. just bad. And it'll suddenly be good. Um, like attendances, it will take a while for people to come back. Um, oh, and yeah, I think uh, a, a lot of people might not come back uh, because they've found other things to do, you know? Um, but yeah, that'll be a, a slow thing. Yeah. I mean, um, so obviously, so we'll, we'll go straight on to the Blackburn game because, like we're saying, it, it was announced on the same day we played Blackburn and they were the most informed team in the league. I don't think they lost since before um, Bonfire Night. Um, you know, given the recent performances against uh, Blackpool and Stoke, we we even said ourselves on the last episode that we weren't too confident heading into these two games. Uh, Blackburn definitely had the ability to to hammer us if they if they really wanted to, and we played similar to how we did to Stoke, but that wasn't the way it went, obviously. Um, so it was. It, I thought we more than matched them for quite a significant part of that game. We didn't seem really under the cosh for the most part. I mean, the players seemed... Obviously, we started like an house on fire and Honeyman got that early goal, which I think probably helped a lot because of the lift with the new takeover and the, the atmosphere. It's sort of That early goal was perfect addition to it and helps us kick on from there. Um, but can you can you single out then um, any... I'll, I'll come to you first, Will. Was there any players that, that you seem to think, um, wow, like... He stood out, or was it just a team performance? Oh, I wonder who it could possibly be if you're watching the video version of this. Um, <laughs> it's obviously Sir Thomas of Eves, MBE OBE. <laughs> Man's a fucking god. Mm, quite so. Yeah. So, what is it? I mean, I... What, what has he changed about his game then that's made him sort of pick up his performances lately? What has he done different? He just seems to. I don't even know if he actually has changed that much about his game, to be honest. I just think he just seems... Everything's just going right for him. Because he's still playing very similar to how he was playing before, but he's getting a bit more of an opportunity. Confidence, to yeah. And I think when he had that performance against that, that performance against Everton, it showed that he could do something. And obviously Stoke... I, I think it's been with KLP up front. 
And I think maybe what it is. Because with Tyler Smith, we all obviously wanted to kill We all wanted Tyler Smith and he was just the top two. But against Stoke, it didn't look great. And it wasn't... But when he's playing with KLP, he just seems to seem like a better fit with one another. Mm. I think it's... For, for me, I mean, the, our biggest criticism of Eves is, is that he hasn't... I mean... In, I, I honestly think he's changed his game a bit. Um, I don't know if you guys will agree with me after I explain. Um, he's, to me, what he used to do when we played is he would always be trying to run in behind. He was almost trying to like be off the shoulder, even though he's obviously not the player. He was always running into the channels and he was always coming deep for the ball. And you wanted him to be in the box. He's a big target man. Uh, we needed him to do what similar things Josh McGuinness did and obviously hold the ball up, bring other players into the game. And I think um, in the Everton game, he did it brilliantly. Um, I think, you know, that that's, I think that probably proved to him that he can do it and maybe got McCann to encourage him to do it more and said, you know, what you did out there was fantastic and I want you to carry that on into the league games. Because if you, obviously the Stoke game was an anomaly in the sense of the last four games that we played. Um, but the his, his, his ability to start being a nuisance to the centre-halves of the other teams. Like, they're purposely double, doubling up on him now because he wins headers. He's, he's, he's good at taking the ball down. He's strong. He holds he holds the ball up and he allows the likes of Longman, KLP, Randall Williams to go in behind. And then, you know, we start asking questions and start probing the defence. And that, to me, I think is why we're seeing a better version of Eves because he's starting to do what we actually wanted him to do in the long term. Um, but he probably didn't have chance to do so. Um, and like you say, with the likes of KLP, I think it's that infectious enthusiasm that KLP has, where he's constantly running and pressing and uh, wanting to to win the ball back, kind of thing. That Eve thinks, bloody hell, yeah, I need to do that too. And then we have like a, you know, we have Honeyman, Doherty, uh, both the wing backs, both the strikers, sort of pressing, and it, it helps us look like we're we're sort of putting our lives on the line a bit more than what we were used to. Instead of being, you know, a bit lightweight in the middle, like we were against the uh, Black Paul, um, you're starting to see. Players play to the strengths, which is what we've been waiting for for a long time. Um, so, I'm going to come to uh, you, Joel. Um, obviously, we, we've we spoke about um, adding Randall Williams into the squad. Um, I think he's going to be a bit of an unsung hero in the last few games. Um, uh, I know I've, I've seen him get a couple of praise tweets from people, but maybe not as much as he should do, personally. Uh, do, do you think um, about... Uh, him since he's coming to the side, is is has he been aware of the addition? I know obviously he's just been injured, but in the in the last few games, you think he's done well to to, to when he's been in the side. Yeah, he's been that bundle of energy down the wing really that we've needed for a long time. So it's just something that it's a different approach we've taken, and it's it's helped us out massively in terms of our attacking play, and he's pretty decent at defending as well. Mm-hmm. I think the thing is with Randall Williams is it gives us a different option because um, when we play Kale obviously more offensive I think Randall Williams is a lot faster um, prone to crossing the ball which obviously then gets the better start of Eves because mm-hmm. there's no point in having a big player like Eves in the box if you're not going to cross it uh, and KLP and Longman tend to do them near post sort of drill crosses we don't float a ball in but Randall Williams is is um very likely to just stick one in when he can, uh, which I think it gives us another variation in our play, which is good and obviously he tracks back well. So in terms of playing that wing-back role, which we maybe had some question marks over whether or not he could step in and do that, he definitely has for me and I think he's been um, one of the best additions. Um, I'm going to come to you then, Nathaniel, for this one because I think um, 
uh, you're the perfect guy to come to for this one. So obviously, uh, Ryan Longman did not score against uh, Burn, but yeah, but how instrumental has he been since we switched to this system? And 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 is he one of these players that we definitely need to sign permanently? Is is he crucial to where we play at the minute? Yeah, I mean, I think he's obviously so good that we couldn't afford him if we tried. But um, yeah, uh, it, um, he kind of won us the game. Uh, well, well, both games really, with the goal and the two assists. You know, um, for uh, you know the the first goal against Blackburn and the one against Bournemouth. Uh, you know, Eves, as you were saying, has kind of changed his game and he is being a target man. And uh, both of those goals, he you know gets the ball, holds it up and gives it to one of the quality players um, to go do something special, which is what Longman did. Um, so, yeah, he's been really important. And, uh, you know, a lot of people have criticised Elder. And then, of course, Emmanuel and Coyle are both out. And Williams has only just come into the squad. So we wouldn't really be able to play the system we do if Longman hadn't stepped up to the plate. So we probably would have been stuck 4-3-3 maybe. So he's really needed to, you know fill that gap in the team because of the injuries um, and uh, we're fortunate that you know uh, going forward especially with the, uh, is it eight goal involvements in 11 he's in great form yeah. Mm. yeah I mean so the thing he's I like about Longman and it's a similar thing to uh, the, yeah the, what I like about Longman and it's similar to like the pros to KLP and Randall Williams etc um, is that their versatility? If you're going to play a system like this, you need players that can can adapt and play in different roles if they need to be. And Longman obviously can play either side and up front. KLP can play either side and up front. Randall Williams is quite capable of playing both sides, and it it gives us sort of that ability to change mid game that maybe was the biggest criticism of McCann in the past that you know we were playing one certain way and didn't change it, whereas the current system allows us to, if not change the formation per se, but we can change the way that we're attacking mid-game by like swapping wings and sort of crossing more instead of cutting inside and asking different questions kind of thing or hitting it long keeping it short we can we've got that variation which is the thing that we wanted most and players like Longman KLP they're absolutely crucial to that uh also the likes of um I mean I, I'm, I'm gonna I'm wax lyrical about Sean McLaughlin in a minute because I just think every time I watch him you wonder how the hell he hasn't been in the squad um, Rolls Royce he's just I, I think personally since coming into the side He's been our most consistently, uh, most consistent performer. I've, I think, obviously, because Honeyman's Maybe. been absolutely brilliant. But you take the Stoke game out of the equation, you know, you're quite poor against that. But McLaughlin, every game, I just think has been, he 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 looks like he's willing to put his body on the line for absolutely everything. He, he, oh, th yeah. he throws himself down for blocks. Great. He makes so many blocks per game. Clearances. He's composed with the ball at his feet. I think it brings then the best out of uh, Greaves and Bernard. I think he's very 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 important to the current system that we're playing and i would argue that he'll probably be better in that role than uh maybe an alfie jones would be when he came comes back because we keep forgetting about alfie jones because he's been out for so long um it's uh it's, it's we've got a lot obviously to praise about and, and we did it very well against blackburn so we'll come on to the actual game itself so obviously the first goal was very good work from eves to keep it in play to find longman who then found honeyman Good bit of footwork, eventually crossed the line, just perfect start to the new era, obviously very good. Second goal, Miles now in. this is the interesting one. <laughs> so the second goal, obviously 
long ball played over the top. I think it was Longman, wasn't it? Um, crossed it far post. Um, mm-hmm. and cross. there was a potential foul on the goalkeeper, nah. do you say? Um, nah. but Eves at the far post. I mean, obviously, we're very happy for Eves to get his goal because I think it'll, it'll, it'll only obviously benefit him confidence wise in the next few games and keep him at a level, I think. But should that goal have stood, honestly, uh, I'll come to you, uh, Joel. I don't know if Joel's there. Joel? Um, Joel? No. It's <laughs> oh, well, a simple yeah, answer. I shouldn't have stood. The keeper was taken out. Um, There's a bit of a lag going on here. Won that header anyway. Mm. Joel, yeah, can you I mean, hear us? It was clear foul, wasn't it? I think he's about can 10 you seconds behind the screen. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. Um... <sighs> And then I thought I thought it might have been a penalty on Brereton Diaz earlier in the game that when Bernard got to cross him. I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, I was going to come back to that one because um, I think it, it. Do you know what I thought first thought of when I saw that challenge? Is it Bernard's done quite a few of them this season, and he seems to get away with it. Um, I, I, mm. I remember him doing something similar against Reading. Um, he seems very clumsy mm. when he's doing like a last ditch tackle. I don't know if it's. But he, he makes it seem aware that it's a shoulder to shoulder. So, like, yeah. the ref can sort of be on a 50 50 decision and they tend to not give it in that sense. And I think mm. we've been quite lucky a couple of times because I think both of the, the times I'm thinking of with Deshaun and uh, last ditch tackle, I think there were both penalties against Reading and Blackburn. Um, I yeah. mean, it's, it's one of them. I mean, would, would so if, if yeah. say, that was our player and that was a Blackburn defender that's just gone into the side it. of uh, KLP, are we claiming that as a you penalty? See it. You're saying it's one of them. Modern football always gives them as penalties. To be honest, yeah. So, well, he doesn't get the ball. I don't think it's shoulder to shoulder because he's he's fouled him. Yeah, he has fouled him. No? Uh, I mean, he's would, sort of relying on the. Would it have stood if Yeah, I was in the championship. It wouldn't have changed it. It would have been overturned. Hmm. Saying, well, I mean, if you can get a penalty for what Liverpool got earlier, a fucking day. It would have yeah, been overturned. And the Harry Kane foul earlier as well. I think referees are just terrible, so, you, you know, you get yeah, the rub of the green sometimes. The refs, I think there are a lot of it. Well, VAR is refs, isn't it? Because yeah. they use it. Yeah, but always, so then I always not used to it. It's the people implementing it. Hmm. Well, we're talking but about VAR. Yeah, VAR in the championship. <laughs> but isn't human error that adds to the to the, the enjoyment of football? To me, personally, I mean, obviously decisions can go against you in that sense, but... You don't want to be waiting five, ten minutes for a, a perfect decision, do you? Really, you want no. decisions there and then. For me, I'm kind. Of, I don't. I wouldn't want VAR. I kind of agree with. Um, I think what Shearer said, where if you're not using VAR in every game, you shouldn't be using it at all. I know he meant in terms of the cup, um, but in the grand scheme of things, you shouldn't really have it in just one league, should you? Because um, it makes you dread wanting to go up, kind of thing. Because I don't think I'd want to be at the ground and. Um, See a VAR decision get get put into play. So um, since since we lost Joel connection wise, um, I'll come to you, Nathaniel. Uh, our second goal then should it have stood? Mm. Yeah, I, I don't think so. I've seen fouls for less. McLaughlin's not looking at the ball. He's clearly barged into the keeper. Um, it's regard. It doesn't matter whether the goalkeeper would have got there or not. But yeah, I, it's a foul. It, it's it's an obvious one, I think. But 
I'm co- of course I'm glad it was given. Yeah. Another well, long minute assist. In there anyway. He was smashing that in regardless. Yeah, but uh, it's still a foul. <laughs> nah, I don't mind. It just seemed like everything, everything went our way, didn't it? I mean, because obviously it was the day the takeover yeah. went through, sort of like, you know, so, the ref's decisions went our way. It was just one of them one where... Of well, look football at stories, guys. isn't it? Yeah, to it was written in the stars. Exactly. From what I remember of it, through my inebriation, I thought 2 0 flat Blackburn. I don't know if yeah, you no, come to that. See, obviously, I think one of the best the best parts of it was we were all waiting to listen to Tony. Well, I was listening to Tony Murphy's post match interview to see how mad he got about them mm. couple of decisions. Obviously, could have turned the game. Um, and he was actually very, very honest. And like he said, you know, yeah, there was a couple, couple of poor decisions that probably went against us that shouldn't have done. But on the grand scheme of the game, they didn't deserve anything from the match. I can't honestly no. remember them having uh, too many chances uh, that, no. you know, you should have thought, no, they should have buried that kind of thing. I, I thought we, we we more than matched them for 90 minutes. I thought the energy, I mean, it was to- total opposite to the Stoke game. Uh, where we commented about how lethargic we were, unorganised, the structure was wrong, um, you know, the defence was too easily cut open. Polar opposite against Blackburn. Very organised, uh, energy, enthusiasm, endeavour, whatever um, descriptive words you want to use. It was just there. We were we were just... I think we were brilliant. Like, we did... I, when we went 1-0 up, I genuinely thought that was it, we were going to win this game. Uh, mm. Obviously, we're probably piggybacking on the momentum of takeover and everything. Oh, but, yeah. It was a very good performance. Um, who would have been then um, your man of the match? I mean, I can't remember who won it. Was it Eves? M- M- um, I don't know who won it on Sky, but in the ground, Honeyman won it. Honeyman. Yeah, it was good to see Honeyman back to his usual self because he is like, as we mentioned in the start game, if he has an off game, then the team has an off game. Um, he is absolutely crucial to the way we play at the minute and um, future captain, I think, if he stays. Um <laughs> I would personally, so we'll for my man of the match, I would go with what Baz yeah, Cooper did and just give everyone 10 out of 10. Yeah, yeah why not? I think, um, I think Baxter had a couple of wobbly moments, but obviously kept a clean sheet, so can't complain too much. But then Baxter, moving on to the Bournemouth game, was absolutely phenomenal. <laughs> so, you, know, you, you, can, you can forgive him for having off games. Um, now that we've got Joel back then, um, I assume you can hear us now. Yeah, we're all good. I could, so, I could uh, hear you anyway. Joel made the long trip down to Bournemouth, um, which I don't envy good all. Lad. I think it was like 10 hours round trip. One trip but definitely worth it in the end. Um, was it, I, I think it was, a t- it was a different kind of win to Blackburn, I felt, because I thought, obviously, the first half, Bournemouth kind of um, really put us back to the wall kind of job and could have been about three or four up at half-time, but we somehow held on and then second half vastly improved. Um what do you think we switched up in? Uh, well, what do you think Grant McCann said at half time to change us to sort of kick him into gear? Because we were really under the cost, weren't we? Half time, I think a few of us could believe we were in nil nil. Well, one of the things I did say to a couple of people on the coach churn was that there's a possibility McCann must have said to the team, This is my last game, I'm not going out like with a performance like that. Possibly. That's maybe what you said in the half-time team talk, because when they came out, they had more energy. They were fighting for more balls. So, I think that's what changed the game. We did change the system as well. Um, kept, kept, kept the same formation, but we attacked in a different way. Mm. I think um, we we seemed to, in the first half, I think we kind of looked a bit 
hesitant to do like what we did so well against Blackburn was we sort of doubled up with the likes of Honeyman and the wing backs and exploited Eve's um, target man ability and allowed us to sort of pin up in their half. I don't think we did that too much against Bournemouth. Um, do you think then, um, say, so I think, well, did Tom Eves have a similar influence in this game to what he did in the Blackburn, in your um, opinion, Will? Was that another target man masterclass? Yes. The second half, really. I mean, the first half, we didn't really have much up front at all, to be honest. It was all Bournemouth. But in that second half, he was, I thought he helped the play superbly, did everything he was required to do. Um, I, I want to say man of the match for me personally of that game honestly I know that's because a lot other players like Lombard scored and all that but Eves would I don't think he did anything wrong at all really mm-hmm. well we got the assist exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. you just, you just helped me favour and put him above your mate Longman. oh well, Longman scored a worldie so you know I'd go yeah, Longman but... man of the match both games of course <laughs> Um, right then, so obviously uh, the first half we know was was not very poor. It, it was very poor, sorry. Um, but Nathan Baxter, um, I think probably on the terms of half t- the first half alone was fantastic. Um, do you think man of the, possible man of the match contender then, Nathaniel? Do you think he, he really put a foot wrong that game? Yeah, I mean, if, you know... Um... Uh, I mean, Longman was man of the match, but uh, yeah, Baxter was great. Um, the amount of times on commentary, it, it was like, you know, you can just tell when there's like, uh, there's a big chance and, you know, Fletcher on the commentary is like, ooh, it might go in. Uh, and, you know, Baxter was there to save it. It was great. Um, it's amazing that we, we did, you know, we didn't concede in that game, but um, yes. And then second half, we just seemed to remember that it's a two- you know, there's two teams on the pitch and it wasn't just waiting for Bournemouth to, to score because, you know, they'd only won two games in nine or, or now ten. So it's not like they're, you know, uh, like Blackburn, that we should have been maybe more fearful of them. Uh, clearly something isn't quite going right at Bournemouth, so there was a chance there late on if it was, you know, get the crowd on Bournemouth's backs, they could go and win it, and they did. I mean, I'm glad I mean, you got to hear uh, listen to hear Fletcher's commentary because I imagine we've had to listen yeah. to the fuckwits on BBC Radio Sirland on the bomb of yeah, commentary. I heard they were bad. I heard <laughs> I heard their after match kind of uh, stuff and they were very very bitter. Whenever we were doing our shit housing, our game management, as they like to call it, in waste time wasting, and yeah. it was despicable and horrendous. But when Gary Cahill did it in the first half, it was a wise old head. Yeah. <laughs> It's funny, isn't it? Because it's, it's, it's very, it's very. I think they seem to forget, like you know, the context of that game. You know, where down in potentially a relegation fight before that game, um, with a squad that's probably worth or been assembled by that's cost less than five million pound altogether. Um, whereas Bournemouth is, you know, littered with Premier League talent, and the, it's at their ground, and they're chasing automatic promotion. So. How much did Barcelona score? <laughs> it was a, a, a stupid amount Six of money. Billion. The oh, of Premier League goals he scored, um, which is very many. Three. Yeah. <laughs> Astronomical fees, but yeah. that's what I mean. Like, you know, the, the context of both our squads and aims of the season is different. So if we're going to go there, you know, back to the wall job in the first half, proper smash and grab, uh, end up at a goal in front, there's only one way that that game is going to end, and that's with us seeing the game out. 
Um, we're not going to carry on trying to go toe to toe with a team that's. I don't know. You know, when he said nine minutes, I was a bit fucking four. scared. Oh, me too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, nine minutes of added times a bit. Um, you know, a bit of Fergie time, and it? it was it was quite worrying when I saw that number come up. But um, I think so. The contribution, obviously, to that injury time, um, we lost Randall Williams. Um, is that going to be um, a problem in the future? Obviously, um, Swansea big game coming up next um, probably means that we'd have to start maybe Tyler Smith up top, depending on you know current circumstances no. before we sign players. Maybe um, no, I, you I think it's. Them. I think it's a simple solution. You play the person who came on, Brandon Fleming. Mm. Agreed. I thought or, in his brief cameo, he looked all right. He looked all right. It was nice yeah. to see him back. Um, I don't know if this is premature on this episode, but or we could play one of maybe two new strikers we're going to buy. That <laughs> Syed, might happen before Saturday. Is it, is it, Syed Manish. Syed Manish. Syed Manish, yeah. Manish, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll just go with yeah. Pessic and not say the other one's name. <laughs> the other one, the other one's a young gem, though. Anyway, well, apparently well, that, that, you that. call him by his first name Alahya. Alahya. Oh, that makes it a lot easier. Then. Yeah. <laughs> but going off current players, so we're saying mm. maybe start, maybe give Brandon Fleming a go. Um, yeah. Obviously, not being involved for quite a while. So, I'd play uh, Smith, maybe. What, how did you find him? Uh, what was good about Brandon Fleming's performance then, Joel? Give me a glowing reference. Why should he start against Swansea? He didn't put a foot wrong when he came on. Granted, it was a small cameo, but he just every time the ball came near him, he was tackling tackling fine. And there was, there was one ball that he played right across the pitch towards Tyler Smith, which was pitch perfect. So it's just he's not lost a step by looks of it, so it's worth giving him a chance. Hmm. Does he have the yep. fitness to see a game out, or you know, is that is that just a an irrelevant? Say, really, this what subs, what subs are for? Yeah, true. Because obviously, so, so given Tyler Smith, then obviously for a long time, a lot of fans, us included, wanted him to start. Have we seen enough from Tyler Smith to justify him starting next game? Is it, no. or if not, what is it that he has to work on? Uh, we were so terrible against Stoke. It wasn't his fault he couldn't get into the game because we didn't, you know, do anything for him. And and later on, uh, with Smallwood coming on and we were better, I think Tyler Smith was already off the pitch by then. So I bring him in, uh, especially at home. You want, you know, attacking players. But uh, um, yeah, I, I don't think it was his fault. He was bad against Stoke because he just didn't have anything to do. But maybe if we're in better form, he might have a better chance against Swansea. Because Tyler Smith, for me, is is one of them players that when he gets the chance, he looks like he does all the right things. And then when it gets to the end where he needs Energetic. to score the goal, it tends yeah. to go wrong for him. Um, but I would argue that for strikers to get that sharpness, they need to be playing. Like they're not going to yeah. strikers come off confidence, they come off momentum. If he's not playing, he's not going to get that confidence and that momentum. I know, obviously, he scored against Everton and then he started against Stoke and the whole team was poor. Like we say, we can't just single him out as being a reason why we were really bad. But for me, if we're going to see the best out of a player like Tyler Smith, he needs he needs to be in there and, and gaining that sharpness and, and, and that understanding with the players around him because we, we seem to forget he's still not actually played that often for us since signing. Like He had a little run when he first signed, then he sort of disappeared for a while. And then he sort of re-emerged again. But it's 
it's one of them, isn't it? But can we afford to not play? Uh, can we afford to play him and sort of have a passenger for a few games? It's it's tough, isn't it? And obviously, why managers? We just uh, we I think we just look so much better with that three four two one with either the main man and Kelpie and Honey Mason just behind him. Mm. Yeah, it yeah, does, like it does help because it helps us sort of put numbers in the middle as well, doesn't it? Because like. Uh, like we were saying, this system brings out the best, I think, personally. If you look back at the 4-3-3 that we used to play and then the current system we're using, the way that we sort of unleash Honeyman is basically he's got a free roam. I think McCann just says to him, right, you go out there, you're going to play in the middle, but buzz about, do what you do. Because he goes to the left, he goes to the right, he goes down the wing, he ends up in the box, he ends up defending. He's literally just everywhere. He's the every bit guy. And Smallwood also benefits from the system because the wing-backs allow us to sort of have a little bit more um, freedom in attack, but the three defenders allow him to sort of drop back and make a back four. So we're never mm. sort of counted against that often because Smallwood's sort of the disciplined one in the middle that stays there and does all the gritty work. So them two complement each other and then you've got Doherty in the middle. And then, like you say, that when we have the ball, we sort of switch it to a 3-4-2-1 and it helps us pack the midfield out and double up on players and get the ball into the box which is probably why we're now seeing more goals and more chances being made than we used to. Um, but that's my opinion anyway. Um, so I'll come to, um, I'll come to, since then Joel missed a little bit of the episode, we'll come back to you. Um, for you, um, say we sign a defender, any of them back three, can, they, can, any, can any of them be justified to be dropped at the minute? It depends who we sign. If it's a top quality centre half that can slot into a team easily, then Dishon Bernard comes out the back three. In my opinion, mm. he's had a couple of shake. He had a couple of shaky moments recently. Um, so if it was any of them three at all, it would be Bernard. Mm. But is that not just because obviously the championship's a new level? I know it's a new level for most of our players, but Bernard obviously was at loan. Salford in League Two was it last season? Mm -hmm, yeah. So it's a bit of a step up. I know, obviously, he could have could have conceded a penalty against Blackburn, but he also did that uh, very important block when uh, Baxter sort of I don't know lost his mind for about three seconds and <laughs> ran out of his box and got dinked. But um, obviously, he kept the score at nil nil then, um, and obviously, he's been from the beginning of the season one of the most consistent players. He's had a couple of off patches, but you're going to get that with youngsters, aren't you? But that that that's the reason I asked because. Every now and again, either Greaves or Bernard maybe has an off game, and the only one that seems to sort of stay at a consistent level is McLaughlin in the middle, who seems to be like an, like he's been playing ten years to me. Um, obviously, there's no reason personally for any of them to be dropped, but I think that three at the back system sometimes um, your defensive capabilities in terms of your, like your one on one tackling or your ability to read the game is so important because if we do commit quite a few forward and you end up in a one on one like against Blackpool that we saw, uh, Jacob Greaves was absolutely hammered by Josh Bowler that game, like as an example. Um, it can be tough in that sense, and maybe an experienced head every now and again. But it's one of them, isn't it? Like, you can't, especially in the last two games, we can't really uh, justify changing anything. Um, right, so... Um, is there three points against Bournemouth then, or was we lucky? What are we saying? Well, it's a bit of both. You could argue we deserved it because, you know, they had lots of chances, didn't take them, but we took ours. But then, you know, on a on a competent day for Bournemouth, they'll stick one or two of those many chances away. 
So we just got a bit a bit of luck, but you know, you make your own luck, really. Yeah, I think obviously we on the episode prior to these two games, I think none of us gave um, a prediction of more than two points to be accrued from both of them, uh, which was wishful thinking. We've obviously come away with six, and this takes us. Uh, 10 points clear of the bottom three now and sort of as essentially one to the league. Yeah, I think it's, um, you know, we've done Fulham a favour, so hopefully they can do us one when we play each other soon. Um, playoffs now as well. Well, let's not, let's not. <laughs> Looking up. We could lose 3 0 to Swansea. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, positive episode. Um, you just got that typical city in your head, don't you? Um, <laughs> So in terms, obviously, we didn't expect to get two wins from these two games. Do we? Is is credit more to McCann uh, than the system? I mean, this is a very important question given what's happening at the minute. Do is is McCann? Because to me, like a lot of people have picked up on the fact that since the takeover, he seemed his personality has come out a bit more. He's smiling more. He's having a laugh with his players more. Like, maybe he knows he does. Like, maybe he knows he can say out and anything, yeah. and he's going to be done. When we used to ask the questions about whether or not his formation was being dictated by the Lambs, or you know, I mean, you've got to think back to previous managers too. Like Leonard Slutsky was apparently the happiest man in football. Looks completely abject when he left us. The Lambs seem mm. to have that effect on people. Adkins, resigned. Adkins, yeah. everybody just sort of they suck the life out of managers. Have we been too harsh on Grant McCann over the last two years? And have we done exactly what the Lambs wanted and used no him idea. as a focal point of our anger when it was actually them? Yes and no. Okay. No, we haven't been too harsh because of that fucking run last time we were in the championship. Mm. He rightly got the slating he got and he probably, well, he, not probably, he should have lost his job there. But, si and, but since then... Since then, it would have been harsh. It's, it's, the benefit of hindsight is fantastic. Because, I mean, we're probably, obviously, the like, majority of City fans agree with you about um, the, the, the run that we that got us relegated in the first place. But I will counter you for a discussion purpose, not because it's the way I think. Could no, you just don't like them, man. <laughs> no, so, obviously, we went on a horrid run. But, context-wise... We didn't really have any investment that year. We were on the brink of the playoffs when he had decent players. Yes, we were carried by Bowen and Grisicki. But we were just outside the top six before rumours started to appear about them leaving. Results started to turn sour. We lost them both and we just plummeted like a stone because they weren't replaced. So, yes, obviously, a manager's job is to get the best out of the players that he's got. But if he's been told to play a specific system and they've not given him the players to do so, and pocketed the money per se. Is that a reason to sort of defend him for that point of his career? Like his hands essentially were tied. No, because he because he didn't even try and change. Even if he put the same formation, yeah. he didn't try and change the way we played in that formation. He just kept playing as if Boom was still there. Yeah. But if you're going to play the four-three-three, what else could he have done? I mean, if we look at the players we had that season, it did, we didn't really. Have, I argue we've got a better squad now than what we had in the championship. That year, yeah, we do. Ex ex oh, yeah. Excluding the the obvious Bowen and Grisicki, but you know, after that, we got you know a young KLP who probably should have been playing because you know, even though he'd not had much experience, he, he looked good whenever he played. But you scored you know, more than the other people we brought yeah, in. True. We signed Wilkes. You know, that was a Grant McCann signing, who was one of our best players from then to the end of the season. Um, you know, uh, we had McGinnis and Eves, who really didn't 
do it at the championship at that level. We had uh, Josh Bowler. Um, we had a very lightweight midfield, I think. You know, De Silva, we played Honeyman like as a CDM. You know, there was a lot of things that he couldn't really have done. Pennington in right back, for example, we got hammered by injuries too, didn't we? So I think, you know, I, I'm just asking that if in the future, would we look back on that run and say, you know, maybe nobody could have done better with that squad of players at the time? I think, if regardless of I think what manager we brought in. Oh well, yeah, uh, we, we lost eight nil to Wigan. Like that's yeah, inexcusable. Yeah, yeah. That's nah, true. We he so still has to take some blame. Yeah. You can't but not then say, "Oh, it's the Allens." Yeah, but then bouncing back first time. I mean, we'll save this anyway because we've got some news to, to chat about, haven't we? Um, so obviously, um, late late news today has been that potentially. Um, it's been confirmed, not by our club yet, but by a few uh, blue tick journals from Turkey, are saying that um, Adjin's going to sack McCann and replace him with Shotter mm. Alvedzi. Is it how you pronounce it? Alvedzi. Um, yeah. This is um, the big debate. So obviously, in typical fashion, Hull City Twitter has imploded tonight. Um, <laughs> you know, understandably. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a mixture of. Um, supporters for McCann and people who are quite welcoming of the news um i'm gonna i'm gonna say i'm, I'm gonna have a look on twitter actually because a few people tweeted us about it mm. and the vast majority to be fair and it's weird saying this because if you think back to even how critical we've been at McCann in the past the vast vast majority I mean, even if you go the, back exactly one week go back exactly one week we've just lost just, just up two nil yeah. yeah. Everyone would have been like, yeah, yeah. get rid. So this, is, this, so this is what I mean. So I'm, I'm going to ask you now then, um, take the last couple of games. Obviously, I know we've, we've, we've beaten second and third the last two games, but in the grand scheme of the season, the grand scheme of his career at Hull City, would is, is it a, a, a good decision to replace him? No. Not at this current moment, no. It would have but made sense in the summer. It would have made sense even like before we changed the formation and we was on that run where we hadn't won in like eight games, it would have made sense. But it hasn't yeah. it doesn't make sense to do it right now, considering in the last like since we changed to a back three, we've just been so much better. It doesn't but make what sense. If this decision was made, like like we, we spoke about it briefly before we started the recording. What if this decision was made? weeks ago when you know mm. we, the fans were calling for his head justifiably you, you know the thing is that that that's that's this is what's important you know that there's been times where fans have criticized him and i think sometimes it's been justified and then there's times where we should praise him like we should be doing now uh but i think that the, the decision that's been made isn't on the last two games it is on the season so far uh, and probably the fans' feelings. You think, I don't think Adjun's come in, watched us win the last two games and gone, nah, he needs to go. This yeah, would have been a decision. Then, then if that's the, the case, through, if that's the case why is there apparently a meeting in the midweek where he's going to tell him his future? Oh, maybe it's just a formality, you know? Like, sorry, he's going to explain why. I don't even think this is a form thing. This is, you know, you come in to a new country, you're a new owner... Uh, you want to, yeah, you, you, you want to bring in someone who's going to, you know, do your vision with the new players. Like, we're, 
the other news that's come out this evening is allegedly we're, we are going to sign those two strikers. They're, McCann isn't going to want them. They're not going to want to come in and play for McCann. You know, uh, if we're bringing in a new director of football, new CEO, it does sort of make sense to change it. Uh, I'll just bring in, uh, because I asked my stepdad for um, his thoughts. At the same time, just slightly oh. on that, what yeah. was the point of the Regan Slater transfer then? If that's no, see, I was going to ask that. See, yeah, poor Regan. If, yeah. if, if this has been a decision that's been made, like say, if, for example, a few weeks ago, um, when you could have maybe justified getting rid of him, um, if that decision has been made, then that means that the new manager sanctioned the deal for Regan Slater. Or maybe he just the thinks thing he's that makes me, The thing that makes me... That, that is a McCann wonder, signing. It's not yeah, a new manager signing. In which, to me, I think that there's a bit of... You know, I, I mean, because this is the thing. The club haven't even confirmed this is happening. So this is all hypothetical. Obviously, we don't know. We need yeah. to wait for the next day or so. To I think it's probably... I think it's probably going to happen. But I can't understand why they would choose to do it now if they were sanctioning deals like Regan Slayer. Because yeah. my thoughts that to were, me seems like it's a Grant McCann signing. If you want and to get rid of if they knew they were going to get rid of him, then why are they doing that? If you want to get rid of McCann, that's fine. He's the new owner. Mm. Um, we all knew he was going to probably bring in a new person anyway. I think everyone at the club kind of mm. knew mm. that was going to happen anyway. But I just don't get the idea of doing it now. Why not give McCann the rest of the season? Oh, I think it's because it's between now and the end do... season. You've got your chance to do it there. I think it's, it's not of the, the end of the world if you wait a couple of months. It's your club. Mm. You're not going to suddenly not have the club at the end of the season. You've got time to build it. Yeah, but, but McCann isn't going to build what Ajahn is going to and Tan Kessler and Schotter is going to want to build. I think. Yeah, but I, I agree. And might look at. Ajahn might look at until the end of the season. Yeah, maybe, but Ajahn might look at as we've done. Oh, this McCann guy, yeah, got him promoted. He's doing okay at the moment, but he's had two very bad runs. Uh, you know, in the championship with a bad squad. But would Ajahn trust him? You know, with how bad it's been in the past, a hundred percent. He's not giving him a chance. Or maybe he win. thinks he doesn't. He hasn't earned one. I, I mean, I I think we should keep McCann, but I can fully understand why why he's not being kept. What's your it, thoughts on it, Joel? You seem very yeah. quiet in the corner. I think he's dying to say something inside. I'm struggling to hear you all, to be fair. Connection's still not very good. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I think I got the gist of what you were saying. But for, for me, McCann has earned a right to see out at the end of the season, but Mm-hmm. You can't begrudge Ajahn for getting rid of him. Yeah. We've got to now back... If it is sure that's coming in, we've got to back him. We've got to back what Ajahn's saying and just go, just go for it because it could turn out to be one of the best decisions that have been made at the club for years. We don't know. We're going into the unknown. We're going into the unknown when he came in and took over. So but do we risk of... the potential for, like... Because the vast majority of the players at the minute are coming out and supporting McCann. They, they look like they're playing for McCann. Do we yeah, now yeah. run the risk of upsetting the Mutiny. squad? Our That's it. Because, you know, at the minute, you can see that they're, they're, they're playing for him. They want him to stay. We're seeing a different Grant McCann. In the, see, the, the, the problem is with me, like, like Nathaniel said, there's logic in, you know, 
from a an owner's perspective in getting rid of him because when he first started getting to the advanced stages of the takeover, the fans did not want him. So he's thinking and he's putting down in his plans for the club, get rid of this guy, I win the fans over straight away, don't I? Mm. He didn't envisage, obviously, the form turning round and the system turning round. I mean, who knows? We might not have even been playing the 3-5-2 if it wasn't for injuries. We might never have even had this run. You know, he could have stumbled upon a, a formula that worked because of injury and he just chose to stick with it. But you look at his career in total, and this is where I'm going to get, um, I'm going to try and defend McCann, and I've been McCann out in the past, I know I have, but at the minute I'm a supporter. And it's because I don't think he's been able to do what he wants to do for the vast majority of his Hull City tenure. You know, the first season he came in, he lost his two best players in January and we stumbled, well, we fell like a rock, got relegated. He got us up as champions last season, which I know we had a very good squad and we should have done. But, you know, look at Sunderland, look at Ipswich, you know, um, Doncaster, uh, Sheffield Wednesday are down there now. It's hard to bounce back up from League One and we did it first time. Uh, you know, with not really, you know, we signed like Stockett and Smallwood, we've got a bit. But these are players that McCann wanted to sign. Do you know what I mean? He hasn't been able to sign properly this season because we had the embargo. So, in the grand scheme of his career, I think what I'm trying to say, during grand a COVID scheme. epidemic, you know, tightened um, purse strings from the owners and not really any investment so he can sign the players he wants to do, losing his best players regularly, trying to bring through youth into the team and establish them as first-team players. He's, he's won us our first league title in 55 years and our, our aims this season were to stay in the division and we're doing it comfortably at the minute. And I know there's been a few point deductions that have helped us along the way, but we'd still be outside the bottom three if it wasn't for them. Um, you've got to look at the likes of, you know, the players that he's brought in. We've let McGuinness go, obviously, but Tom Eves is now starting to come up. Smallwood's been phenomenal signing. Uh, he's, he's brought through Greaves, KLP, um, you know, the loan signings like uh, Bernard. We've used the loan market very well. Even the freebies, you look at Rand Randall Williams. We've done okay, given the hand he's been dealt. For me to sack him now when he's finally got the chance to spend some money and sort of show us what he's about as a manager, I think is just going to be... I, 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 it'd be silly to turn on the owner because of it. I mean, the guy's owned us for a week. And he's probably yeah. done this with the hindsight that we didn't like him in the past. Um, you know, he won't have kept up to date with every single result all the time, kind of thing, because he's a busy guy. Um, but back when he made this decision, I imagine, was when the fans wanted him gone. And now it's probably got to a point where contracts have signed and things have done that he can't undo it. And it's only because of the last two games that fans are now like, you know, do you know what? No, he deserves a chance. But it's one of them things, obviously, we... I'd like to see him given a chance, but it's... we, we, we Like I said, we're talking about possibilities and, and things that might not even happen yet. I mean, to me, it just seems very odd. that There's so many circumstances to it. I know I'm rambling on at the minute, but... Um, like, say, for example... It's weird that when Ajahn first took over at the Blackburn game and they asked him about McCann's future, he seemed really cagey and he, he just mm. sort of left it open. When McCann was asked about his future, he pretty much said that he's not even spoke to the guy. I think since then he's confirmed he spoke to Tan Kessler, but he hasn't actually spoke to the owner, which I think is very bizarre, um, which suggests to me that he's not in, in his plans kind of thing or they've got a meeting upcoming or something Agreed. like that. Um, That's poor form then, regardless. Yeah, uh, but then yeah. why are we signing Regan Slater, who is obviously not a shotter? That's the odd thing. It's it, it. There's there's a few bits that don't add up in it to me, and it's just very. We need the club to come out, or add, you know, someone just say, release a club statement and say, 
this is our plans. This is why we've done this. Yeah. Well, we've uh, not like, like you said, again, Blackburn, there's the... no clarity in the situation. The fans are left to speculate. Any news that comes on Twitter, we latch onto because that's the only source of information we're getting at the minute. And, and it's it's all very messy. It's not very structured. Like to me, if you come in and take over, you need to have a clear structure. You should be laying down the rules uh, that, that you're, you're planning your vision straight away. You should all be on the same page. And for McCann to be two games down and still not really know what he's doing is, is very weird. I don't know, unconcerning. It is weird. It's weird because it's taken such a, such a great week. You know, We've been waiting years for this takeover to happen and we finally got it and we've, we've hit a bit of form. We've beat two of the best teams in the league and we've finally got optimism around the club again. Everything's feeling good. And then we've got this potential bombshell that's yeah. just you know, threatening to, to bring us down again. I'm very conflicted again. about it. Yeah, yeah it's, it's very bizarre. I mean, I know the vast majority of people. I mean, I'm going to try and find a couple of. Um, we, uh, mm. We've got one here that says, if true, then it's the wrong decision at this stage of the season. Players want him there and are playing for him. Could seriously affect the dressing room. room. He deserves at least until the end of the season, which I think is the. That's my point. Giving just until the end of the season. Because then didn't bring in a new man over the summer if you really want to and build from the summer onwards. Yeah, but he wants to build now. We're yeah, not going to do anything this window. season. <laughs> Regardless mm. of what he builds, mm. we're not doing anything this season in terms of progressing. Yeah, but it might help for next I, season. You know, bring them I in just now. Don't six why months you in England. A good yeah. run of form. Yeah, I, 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 I agree. I, 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 but I'm not. I'm not angry. I'm just a bit disappointed. I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed. Yeah. Um, it's weird, isn't it? It's, it's, I it's think it is, but it might turn yeah. out to be okay. So obviously, before that news was kind of broken, I I asked on the the podcast account for people to send in their thoughts of the last week or so, which was strangely positive. Before this, uh, this is what I was meaning. So um, what the likes of Jordan Garnett said: exciting times at the moment. Looking forward to hopefully signing Pesic and that lad from Fenerbahce, who I imagine is Syed Benesh, is that it? Uh, and then he put, I also hope um, Ajahn keeps Grant and doesn't rip up the squad too much uh, and mm. stop the pathway for the youngsters that's been created. You see, is, 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 this a, is this then a potential, obviously new owner comes in, new vision. Are we looking at maybe this squad being com- like the vast majority of this starting eleven not being here next season? Uh, possibly, because a lot are out of contract. I think maybe they will get Honeyman, but yeah. Yeah. Uh... But but we can't. We have to admit that it's not been good for the last few years. We can't just now that it's happened. You know, um, it's like uh, uh, Stockholm syndrome. You know, not quite with the Alans, but we've got McCann and these players who you know got us relegated, uh, mostly from League Two and League One. Don't we want to see a bit of investment? You know, a bit of of money in these players that they sign might be quality, but. At you the same time, you won't be seeing players you? like you won't be. Yeah, but at the same time, you won't be seeing players like if we just went for the investment, we would never have had KLP probably come through. Yeah, quite right. Or Bowen. Mm. The, the academy is one thing that should stay. That's yeah. one thing that the Alums did right. Unfortunately, yeah. think, there is one thing they actually me, did get right, and that was the academy. And that was I more. A, that was more a consequence of them not spending money. To be fair. Yes. Well, no, it was a change of their club model. Wanted that they couldn't spend money anymore, so they wanted to generate the youngsters. That was it. That's what I mean. It was a side it. effect of them being financially yeah. way too 
But to me, that's definitely would have been a discussion for um, Ehab and Ajahn to have had. I imagine saying, you know, look, we've upgraded the youth facilities. You get some phenomenal players through there. That are worth a lot of money. I can't see him, you know, sort of giving that up in a way or changing it because it won't make sense financially to me. Um, I think this tweet probably sums it up perfectly from Patrick Webster. Um, he put, yeah, incredible week. The only cloud still hanging over the club for me is McCann's future. Um, should he be given the chance moving forward? And do we think Adjun's going to give him that chance? And it, this, this is literally the fan base summed up in, in one in it. You know, we're brilliant week, but no clarity on McCann's future from any source is um, sort of lingering and, and, and making us mm. uh, double guess what's going on. We'll get like a proper interview from Ajahn and the new owner, uh, new owner, new manager, I'm sure. Uh, it'll be more clear, hopefully. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, I just hope it, it does go well, you know, because we're in a good situation and the, the players are all professional. I don't think they're all going to go in a strop just because McCann's left. Um, I hope. Uh, and hopefully they can keep that team spirit, even if there is a new manager. And and surely the surely the ownership and maybe having some new signings will give them a boost anyway. You'd hope. Yeah, I mean, I think I tried to find an example of a, a, a tweet that's in support of the decision for him to go. Um, I've got one here that says all all the Twitter club owners are out in force. Let the undo what he needs to do, and judge in the months ahead. Let's yeah. be honest, the vast majority of us all were slagging him off not long ago. Two wins after no win in seven is pure owner bounce, nothing more. Possibly. You know. I think that's part of it. Them, There's no such thing as fucking to... owner bounce, by the way. Because no, it's the atmosphere, Newcastle, isn't it? Look at Newcastle. <laughs> no, I think there is. For us. I think there I is think, for us. I think for us it definitely was. Mood in the stadium, pick the players up. And players now, you know... I think the problem with us was that it was the uncertainty of the takeover going through that players started to get a bit anxious about their futures. Fans were getting anxious if it were going to fall yeah. through, etc. So the fact that it did go through, in the sense, made it was a relief more, maybe more than a, a new owner bounce. It was the finally it's gone through kind of thing. Everyone's clear, you know, we, we know where we are. Um, this one says uh, mixed emotions about the rumor of Grant McCann leaving. The players are clearly giving their all for him, but on the other hand, we do sit 19th in the championship. Uh, because we've had back-to-back -back wins against third and second, all of a sudden he's a good manager. Yeah, I mean, we're very knee-jerk, aren't we? Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, we're I mean, either we always we awful or great. We lost, we lost Paulie to Blackpool and Stoke before. Yeah. Uh, you know, without if scoring, not looking if, any good. If we'd beaten Stoke and Blackpool and lost to Bournemouth and Blackburn, the amount of people, uh, you know, saying, oh, we should get rid of him, it's probably, it'd be just flipped, wouldn't it? It's just who we've beaten, but but that is who we've beaten. So you know, no point doing hypotheticals. Like, so yeah, I think I, so. Yeah, I think we're all agreed that, I, that maybe I would like, like I said, I would. I'd be upset if he went, and I don't think you should. I should be given the rest of the season, but you can't not back the next manager if he comes in. You and it, you've got to. Well, yeah, he's not done anything. Yeah, not his fault. The problem is, is yeah. the, the the problem I'm worried about is if the new manager comes in. And we have a couple of poor results, and I'm really worried that some of those fans who are very reactive uh, will start going, "Oh, why have you got rid of McCann? Oh, Avalanche out! Ashton's ruining the team already!" Blah 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 blah. Fuck off! <laughs> we need a Pesic hat trick on Saturday, and everything will be fine. Yeah. Mm. Right. So I think. 
If, I think the general mood then is obviously that he probably deserved to the end of the season, but we need to wait and see. Um, what well, can, we can understand if he goes. Yeah, it's 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 one of them. Yeah. Like I don't, I think the vast majority of fans probably wouldn't really be bothered either way. Um, like we say, there was a lot of McCann out people. It's been very very loud for McCann out for a long time. Than, you know, since a change in most system, people. The, the Twitter sphere isn't most people who support the club. We have to remember yeah, that. That's true. It is a smaller, a significant, but still a, a, a minority. Yeah. So I think what we'll do then is because we can't really comment on that anymore until we receive some, we'll some other information from somewhere. Uh, we'll look at the Swansea, yeah. So obviously, um, Swansea next. They're down there with us, but they think they've got three games in hand on us. Um, so it's a weird one. I've actually gone out and got some stats for us to talk about before we get on this mm. one. Because just start, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the last six games, obviously, for us, we've had two wins against Bournemouth and Blackburn, a draw against Bristol, and three losses against Stoke, Blackpool, and Forest. Uh, seven points accrued, six goals scored, seven conceded. Um, Swansea, exact same. Two wins, one draw, three losses. Beating Preston and Barnsley, which, you know, the teams kind of... Barnsley are down there, out there, the west side of the league, I think. Um, and Preston, yeah. uh, even we beat them. <laughs> so, one draw, Huddersfield. Um, they're on fire at the minute. So that's quite a good result. And then three losses against Reading, Middlesbrough and Forest. So, also, obviously, accruing seven points. They've scored eight, conceded eight. So, it's very similar. Um, our head-to-head -head against Swansea is very interesting. So, uh, in the last seven games between us, we've won two, Swansea have won one, and we've drawn four. And the two mm. of those draws have been the last two meetings. And mm. there's usually a lot of goals involved. So, there's 24 goals in those seven games. I um, mean, eight of those did come in one game. Yeah, yes. eight of those did come in one game, yeah. Our last win against Swansea was in 2018. Um, we beat them 3-2. Uh, but since then, we've had... A 2-2 draw, lost 2-1, drawn 4-4, and then drawn 0-0 this season. So, um, interesting. Uh, let's have a look. But I think they're 20th in the away table, because I always look at the home and away things. I yeah, they're not Preston very good away. First. So, I'd be quite confident, judging by that, mm. and our, yeah. our ownership, you know, and perhaps new manager bounce, you know. <laughs> I, I, I think I'm fairly confident-ish, but it's yeah. very difficult to know, really. Uh, league table-wise, obviously, we sit 19th with eight wins. Um, our goal difference is significantly better than those around us, which is... Oh, uh, what better? Apart from Derby, yeah. they're all way off. Peterborough, mm. minus 30. Reading and Cardiff, minus 18, minus 19. And we're minus eight, so... Um, you know, because we, we haven't really been hammered this season, have we? We, we don't well, tend to... But I think the most... Yeah, yeah, I think we've only conceded three goals. Is it twice in the league? Yeah, Sheffield United and QPR. That's that's good going. And we don't tend to concede in the last fifteen minutes, where we we tend to score more in the last fifteen minutes. So maybe yeah. squad fitness is quite high. Um, but yeah, so. we sit nineteenth on twenty nine points. They're seventeenth on thirty one, but they have three games in hand. Um, so obviously, could potentially fire themselves into the top half with a good run. Uh, obviously, games in hand aren't wins. We know that. Um, and some interesting stats that I found on um, Footmob, because um, Joel's been using that on the account, if you've seen the post on Twitter, they're very interesting. So I thought I'd go on and Swansea, uh, average possession in the league, are first by some way. So the style of their play... So they have as much possession as the one, we'll take all three yeah. points. <laughs> so they're, yeah, they're, they, can they're, take the ball home. they have the highest average possession in the league of 66%. 
Uh, and second is Sheffield United on 60. So they're, they're very possession-based, mm. uh, which is what we saw against Bournemouth. doesn't necessarily mean anything, does it? Uh, they make the most passes per game in the league, 536 compared to Fulham's 453 in second. So it could be a very boring game for um, the defenders. Um, expected goals, I thought, would be an interesting one to look at. So to compare them, they're actually 20th in the league for expected goals. Uh, they've scored 28, but their expected goals is 26.4. So they're performing mm. better than their XG. That's kind of funny, considering they wanted rid of Steve Cooper because he wasn't playing good enough football uh, yeah. and they brought in someone who's given them much worse football. Sometimes with this sort of style of play, you know, like Swansea, even from their Premier League days, 2012-13 and their, you know, League Cup winning squad, they kept the ball and it was all possession-based, but they probably kept that idea, but it's got more simple over time. So yeah, now it's just keep the ball. Yeah. So it's like keep the ball for because that's what Swansea do rather than actually yeah, having actually a, an idea. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, comparing us to our expected goals, so our expected goals is thirty point nine, and yeah, we've actually scored twenty three. So we're performing way less. Um, well, that's the <laughs> you know not having any good strikers effect, isn't that's it? That's because McGinnis was playing. Yeah, Along with missed three of those chances, probably. Yeah, yeah, Longman could have scored two I'll against. Uh, I'm fairly there. certain he's overachieving with his expected goals. That was, uh, that was Brian Longman playing that game. Yes. Um, well, he is. He, he's still fucked up massively in Sturt then. Well, he's won us the last two games, so. I'm what I've done. He's got on four goals. He's expected goals, goals of 2.34, so have that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, shots on target for Max so whether or not our keep keeper could be in for a busy day um, is they are 8th so they're actually in the top half of the table for the amount of shots they have um, they have about 4.1 per game uh, which I think in the grand scheme of things is, is not brilliant but higher than ours so <laughs> make that what I mean, that's a rubbish average to be honest in general I think it's a boss that's of an average I mean, well, from the eighth, the eighth have... in the league with that as well so top of the table is Fulham with uh, Fulham. 6.4 <laughs> shots per game this is shots on target by the way yeah four shots say, a game then. shots uh, in total right. can't be right yeah, whoever's bottom is having one a game 4.1 Fulham, Fulham are top on 6.4. Fulham can't be on average having six shots a game and scoring all six. On target. On target, Will. Right. And then this one, which I thought was interesting because it um, for us as well, um, possession won in the final third. So, obviously, um, having a system where you press high and you try and win the ball uh, back in, 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 obviously, enemy territory. Uh, we are 14th in the league for that. So, we, um, we've won ball. We've won uh, possession in the final third 104 times this season. Uh, possession won by the midfield 622 um, Swansea however 20th with 81 possession wins in the final third uh, what, what does this all so, mean then I, I mean that, say, that, to be honest and at this point you're just saying numbers no that, um, that, that to me the only reason I included that is because it's, it's it gives you a, a significant idea on their style of play so obviously they're mm. very possession based but they obviously sit deep too so, because they're not winning the ball in the final third, they're yeah. not pressing high, are they? They're going to sit in their shape and they're going to let us attack them. Yeah? So, mm. Fair enough. Whereas we're, we're, we're a bit more aggressive in that sense. We're six places higher than them in the league, for example, so we could get at them. Um, mm. And I think that's all I uh, So, in terms of picking the team then, so obviously Randall Williams is injured. Um, 
So I think the majority of you said that we'd obviously bring Fleming in for him. Um, do we think McCann's going to do that? McCann might not be the one doing it. I, one. I think McCann will be out and will have signed uh, at least or maybe even two players. So um, I don't know if it's you know against the rules to predict a lineup, including players we don't currently have, but That's I might right. do that. I mean, what are the rules? You can try, but I mean, it's you, you're trying to guess the formation as well, aren't you? Because you don't know what system. Mm. That's the thing. It's like, who? What the fuck does Shotter play if he's coming in? You watch him play four three three. God, he might though. Four three three with You know it's happening. Well, because yeah. I mean, you you wouldn't spend if again assuming this happens, you wouldn't spend however much money on Alaha and Pesic and then play only one striker up front, I'm assuming. So maybe he's thinking of playing two up front. Well, that Pesic, I think, is a striker, isn't he? And that Syed Manesh is meant to be sort of an attacking winger. Yeah, uh, maybe, uh, possibly. So it would depend. I, I, I imagine that Syed Manesh is coming in. Oh, he's going to drop Longman, isn't Longman, he? Longman, probably. He's going to drop Longman. <laughs> Action out, action out. I can't be having this. Well, that's, well, that's what I mean. You, don't know what system you might play him as a number 10, but then you drop Honeyman, so you know, unless he plays him deep, Honeyman at right back. Is it Honeyman more of an eight box to box at the moment? We play him as a 10, don't we? Don't I share, but I mean, in the three five two, Honeyman goes into like the center forward position behind Eves and sort of find yeah. And uh, Docket right. is more of the number eight because he, he contributes to both, doesn't he? And Smallwood stays and plays the uh, the, the anchor role. Um, I mean, that's my opinion anyway. I might be wrong. Um, but yeah, so it, it, this is it's a very, very hard way to guess. I mean, we're, we're talking about... I mean, we have to go off what it currently is and who we've currently got because, you know... I was going to say, man's going to go based on our current squad because I can't do no. our bank cuts, yeah. Right, I mean, I'll I not ask you to name the whole eleven because I imagine that all of ours will be very, very similar. But um, well, one I can imagine same team, same team, one change that we all Fleming, Fleming in for Brando Williams. Yeah, we're yeah. all in agreement with that. I'd play Smith personally. Yeah, I, I, I think McCann will play Smith. I mean, um, I don't know if a brief cameo is enough to justify Fleming starting. Uh, you know, because it's it's you know you've got players waiting like Smith who probably think. Well, I played well for the vast majority well, of the Everton game. The cameo came about, though, because of Williams' injury. So that might have forced his hand into, oh, I'm going to have to play. Because if he's mm. not going to play Williams now, he's going to play the person he replaced him with. Yeah, well, why he's not going to have Longman and KLP in the wing-back role so he could easily put um, Smith up front. Maybe that was more of a defensive thing because we, it was well, late in the winning. I think we're just infinitely better with KLP as an up-front player than as a wing-back, as good as he's a wing-back. Has he actually scored as, as playing as a striker yet? I know he hasn't done it very often, but I don't think he has, has he? Uh, we no, scored... He's had more of an influence on the game overall, though, since he became that. We scored at Barnsley, and that was 4-3-3. Oh, it was 3-5-2, he scored at Nottingham Forest. Hmm. So that's something. Yeah, but he was in wing-back, wasn't he? Yeah, that's true. Same with uh, Cardiff, but that was a set piece, so it doesn't really count. Because the thing is, with KLP and Longman, is KLP is very, very good up front as well, but he also is very, very good in the wing back role in the sense that he he is an absolute nightmare for the wide players and gets he loves the pitch. That's where he's dangerous when he runs at the box and cuts in and 
if he's if he's playing up front, he's more central and he doesn't do that as often. Well, he's, he's not really playing up front, up front. He's playing alongside Honeyman. Yeah, I know he drops mm. deep and comes to the ball, but I, I still I, I I still don't think we see the best version of KLP doing that. He's very very good at doing it, but he's better in the wing back role for me. I don't know. It's. I think it, 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 I mean, it, it results in him having too many defensive duties for his, in my opinion, as a wing-back role. He's, he should be up front attack because his best ability is up front attacking. So you don't want him in a defensive, somewhat defensive role, I feel. But I think he's a bit too lightweight to be, because if you've got a big centre-back on him, I don't think he, he has that ability to to shake off a, a challenge and get through kind of thing. I know, because I think that's what Tyler Smith's potential is, because he seems to be able to turn defenders very well. His strength seems to be um, quite, I think defenders sort of underestimate him because he's quite small. But when it when he turns and faces a centre back, he tends to shove him out of the way to get him behind. Doesn't he? Whereas I don't think KLP does that. He's, he's more of he tries to slip his man secretly in behind. Um, he's one of them, isn't it? I mean, he's, we're arguing this is this is something that it doesn't matter because as long as KLP's on the pitch, he's brilliant. It's just where he's best. Personally, I think it's on the on the on the width. Um, but again, so I guess is into it. I mean, um, we'll have to see. So score predictions then. So I'll go uh, Joel first because he keeps cutting out. Um, I think we'll beat him two 0 Two 0 Two 0 Yeah, two first half goals from whole players. Would <laughs> <laughs> have been twenty players. Apt, very apt. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm not, I can't think of anyone that could probably score. You don't have to, Joel. <laughs> I want to now. Well, go on then. Backs to double. Oh, that'd be beautiful. <laughs> right, mute him and kick him off. I'm done with him. Uh, Nathaniel. I'll mute myself then. <laughs> um, I'm going to go 2 uh, 0 to Hull as well. Who's going to score, Nathaniel? I'll go with Alexander Pesic and uh, Alahar <laughs> Syed Manesh. Christ, I surprised. I was not expecting that. I won't. Like, uh, long moon assists, obviously. There we go. <laughs> go on then, Will. Well, I'm going to be boring and say a one-all draw. Um, <laughs> boo me all you want, I don't care. Um, with... Because I'm not picking players who are here yet because that's just... I can't do that. Mm. Um, yeah, you can. No, you can't. Um, it's you not in the will. rules. Um, Tom Eaves, of course. Okay. He's going to pal drive it from 35 yards like he tried to against Bournemouth. He's going to play off his stand. If you actually watch the technique on that shot as well, it was really weird. He like toe-poked it. I don't know what he's doing. Beautiful stuff. It's like a different angle from behind. I don't know how he did that. Yeah, just keep Um, doing that. Just keep doing that whenever he gets the ball. (laughs) I'm going to say a 2-1 win. I'm going to say we concede because... Um, there's no point in accruing all them stats if I'm not going to use them to influence my decision. So, because Swansea have the ball so often, you know, and we're prone to a few errors at the back. Um, you know, they'll exploit one of them, we'll concede, but we'll we'll still win 2 1. Uh, I'm going to say, um, I'm going to say KLP goal and um, Greg Docky. I think he's due a goal, isn't he? Yeah, he he's got it this season, so yeah, he's due a goal. He's KLP this season. You know, I don't, no, no, he's had a few. I think Never. he tends to play them over the bar. That's uh, the thing is, he's been playing slightly deeper, I think, this season than he was last season. Yeah, yeah he's got less attacking freedom, and especially in yeah. this new system. 
uh, we sort of give Honeyman the freedom, don't we? Exactly. Um, hence why he's joint top scorer. I mean, was it? Honeyman's already outscored his last season total. Mm. His level with KFP. In a higher league. Yeah. <laughs> so because he keeps right, so going forward. So it's a positive guess then. There's, everyone went for wins barring Will because he's, um, he's a sucker. For you never yeah. asked me about Blackburn and uh, my Blackburn and Bournemouth predictions anyway last week. So I went on. He would he would have said two 0 and one 0 Yeah, yeah I did. Said, yeah. Mm. Goal score is perfect as well. Yeah, oh yeah. no, I, I, I thought Doherty was going to get one. No, no, he's getting one next time for me. Should we start a prediction league? No, um, no. too much. <laughs> um, so I think that's pretty much covered everything. I mean. T- t- we're waiting on obviously the McCann news, whether or not it's real or not. Well, I'm sure some of the the likes of Baz and Bernsey I mean, and them will get on it and try and fathom well, out what's going on. I'll take it with a pinch of salt as it stands because the bloke who the bloke who it came from is the same bloke who says we're signing that Danilo from Ajax and that Zayic from Fenerbahce, which hasn't sure. happened. Mm. Maybe. So, while it's yeah. probably true, I'm going to not agree, believe it until it's official. Likely takeover. Um, so obviously this was another episode that was um, sponsored by uh, Hull City Retro and um, Six Yards Out Um, Six Yards Out has been he's had COVID uh, at the minute so hopefully he gets better he was doing Givanuary which I think he's continuing uh, next month when he's better Uh, but obviously their links are on our link tree as it says at the bottom Uh, do go check them out Um, uh, the podcast shirts Um, so a few of you asked for updates they messaged uh, either me on Twitter or the um, Facebook account Asking when they'll be delivered. Obviously, they were a pre-order basis because we didn't buy the shirts to keep in stock to distribute. Um, it comes from the site they're sort of making bulk. So um, for everybody who ordered um, before this weekend, that's just gone, um, they should be with you within the next thirty days, I believe, is what they said. Uh, so anybody who pre-orders from today onwards, um, you'll be on the next batch. So obviously, you'll have to wait till um, orders hit either hit a certain number or slow down enough to justify sending them off to come but to anyone who has bought them i know there's quite a few of you have got them and i know there's quite a few waiting until payday to get them uh thank you for doing so i know we're we're well on the way to 200 quid raised for andy's man club through it so um thank you to everyone who's done that um obviously we are partnered with andy's man club uh sent me some stuff um partnered with a charity obviously they help um run support groups for men struggling with mental health obviously the vast majority of our listener base will be men um Obviously, uh, so if you are struggling, do there is four? Um, I believe there's another one coming, or another couple coming in the whole in East Yorkshire area. Um, four venues at the moment, definitely that you can go visit if you are struggling. It's completely anonymous; they will help you out. You obviously you don't you can spend as long there or as little as as little time as you need if you're struggling. Please do go and see them. Uh, Spot Hall Badgeman, uh, as always, very good tradition. He's coming to a bit of flack lately with Daryl. He received a very yeah, whoever sent that needs to be reevaluating your life, really, because the poor guy, you know, dedicates his life to basically being a volunteer to producing uh, badges ran purely um, for us and has been a very long tradition with Hull City. Um, you know, they've been out there in the freezing cold and the snow before, um, and hopefully they continue to be able to do that. So if you have the chance and you have the spare change to do so, do support them. And I think they're only £5 for a membership to get some badges from them guys. So pop on through and get some if you can. Um, so just know if you're listening to this, Daryl, we're, we're, we're all supporting you. It was a nasty email to receive. Uh, and with that, I think there's nothing else to cover. Um, I think 
We've got a couple of works in the pipeline. I'm trying to get a couple of other interviews in, so keep your eyes posted for them. And I think we're going to do a giveaway for one of the podcast shirts. Um, so if you're wanting to win one of them, do keep your eyes out on the podcast account for that, uh, for the instructions to do so. Um, it'll be pretty soon, I think. Um, just waiting for a couple of things to come through. Uh, but thanks to you three, obviously, for joining me. It's nice to have a full episode for once. Nice of Joel to join us eventually. Uh, waited all day for him. I've been on quite a lot recently. I don't know why you're chatting. <laughs> um, so, yeah. It's quite uh, Bradley Dak shambles. Oh, Bradley Dak shambles, yeah. A big, if, if, if on the off chance, Bradley Dak shambles. <laughs> no, not really. Um, you, the you only shambles is Blackburn Rovers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he definitely muted the word shambles on Twitter the other day. Mm. Um turned off his notifications and, and probably recorded the next episode of the violent He probably loved the attention. <laughs> yeah, he probably did, to be fair. Can, can we also... I mean, I know we had a laugh, but, you know, Black Ben fans had to pay twice to come to all. First time, it was cancelled. They had to go home. And the second time, they had to watch him lose 2-0 and go back home. So, I think it's... You know, I, I would have felt sorry for them, except they were all, you know... Being yeah. inaccurate, saying that it was holding a shambles and a disgrace because they'd, you know, done what the EFL told them to, so they deserved it. Yeah, yeah make them pay a fair time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, like I said, so when this when this episode's released, obviously there'll be the link tree on. Just have a look at who's on there. Try to look at some of the sponsors and partners, and um, get yourself down. Definitely get a podcast share if you can. I'm hoping that when ours comes through, um, we can be wearing them on pod, and them can all match and look nice and cool. And Joel probably won't be on the pod too. <laughs> Joel's too busy being big time with Sky Sports to make time for us now. He's moved on. I'm too busy writing for opponents' programs. Yeah, true. Yeah, so uh, that, good job you mentioned that. So if anybody had the match day program from the Bournemouth game, so we um, should we should we litter Will's mentions and please post a picture of the page tagging Will in it. Um, and let's let's let's. You're saying that as if I wouldn't. As you're saying that as if I wouldn't not <laughs> love that. Yeah. The same picture over and over. Again. I mean, yeah. Bit, I mean, you know, we, we made it into a match day program. I know. It was, I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to pretend that I'm not a little bit good. They didn't reach out to me to do that. A little bit envious. <laughs> they went to Will. Yeah. Uh, so Will did the program. I know Joel. Joel, you picked up a couple of them, didn't you, and sent the picture through him. But yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. a big podcast, like we say. We, we... What I do find funny is it was typical that I wrote for it and put in it if we get taken over, twenty four hours before Wednesday. Mm. So <sighs> yeah, well true. but yeah, so so big ups to Will for being in the uh, the Bournemouth match day program. That's a ni- nice long time keepsake for you, I think. Um, Probably, you gonna, nah. what you're gonna do? You're gonna rip the page out, and keep it on the wall. No, I keep the whole program. Yeah, <laughs> why would you sully the program itself by ruining its value? It's, it's hard to it's hard to frame it if you. I mean, you could get a weird shaped frame. I'm not going to frame it. I'm not a psychopath. Can frame you sign mine for me? I want you to sign mine. <laughs> sign it. Yeah, yeah. If you want autographs from Will, just get straight into his DMs. Um, <laughs> Joel as well is, is now a big time Sky Spot, so just just do hit over and um, <laughs> ask them for a, for an autograph or two. You might get a fifty p for it or something. Um, but yeah, cheers for joining me. Well, anyway, lads. at least at least with me, you could just say, "Oh, I won Pop Idol twenty year ago." Yeah, Joel. Twenty year ago, I was a little nipper. <laughs> Joel, yeah, Joel was um, didn't even know what Hull City was um, when he was a kid. So no, I didn't. Find you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't know what anything was. 
<laughs> they weren't even, even born 20 years ago. Yeah. Uh, right, there's no there's no um, meal deal tangent this time, I don't think. Um, oh, we need to we need to redo that. I need to get everybody's um, in this in the chat after this episode. You're all gonna have to send me the meal deals again, and we'll put we redo the poll oh, and we'll yes. settle this once and for all. We'll reignite oh, that. We'll try and find some. Call. Some irrelevant um, positivity in and amongst the potential sacking of McCann. So uh, we'll try and distract everybody with, with meal deal choices. Next week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll try and make a meal deal conversation a, a regular for any guest that comes on and judge them. <laughs> judge them for it. Anyways, um, yeah. So if anyone's still with us, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, we will. Well, fucking known for still being here. Mm. <laughs> um, hopefully still have McCann in charge by the next time we record talking about a positive result um, but we'll have to wait and see obviously we'll all know the news when it gets released uh, but thanks for listening anyway and thanks to you guys for joining us thanks to our sponsors and partners uh, and we will see you next time <laughs>teaming up with three for mental health awareness week this year beyond the pitch beyond the results we're here to connect fans getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans we're a team with two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges that's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.